And welcome to another edition of Sanctified Reason. Sanctified Reason is a podcast where Dan Dozell and myself, Son Edom, talk about the stories and social issues that affect society today with a biblical perspective. We're basically at the crossroads, Dan, of pop culture and faith. And today, a lot of powerful and influential celebrities. You know, I've got musicians, you've got uh, actors, actresses, social media. They seem to drive the um, traditions and norms of modern society and one of those that is being challenged today is Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson is a quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. He was recently with the uh, Texans in Houston. And uh, apparently he has been suspended. Well, it's definitely he's been suspended by the NFL. 11 games, $5 million for his conduct towards women. I guess uh, massage therapists. Depending on the accounts that you read in the news, we can confirm that there were at least... 24 lawsuits against him from women who he apparently alleged sexually harassed in some manner during those massage sessions. Um, One is still pending. And then there are other accounts, allegedly up to 66 women may have been in some capacity or another uh, being left uncomfortable with an experience with him during professional massage sessions because of his, you know, quarterback uh, working with the teams and stuff. And so anyways, you have someone out there who's an athlete. He is paid $230 million over the next five years. His contract is a little screwy. We could touch on that just a little bit, but I don't want to get too much wrapped up in the the, the, the news story, more of the idea that here you have an athlete that apparently, based on the information out there, has done some things that he shouldn't have been doing. And you get suspended, you get fined, but it also seems like it's just kind of a slap on the wrist because there's no real penalty involved. The uh, judge, I guess, or the prosecution did not or decided not to press charges, and so he's basically just serving an 11-game suspension, a $5 million fine for allegedly assaulting upwards of, at least with lawsuits, 24 women. It's kind of a crazy world when you've got these type of celebrities out there that are doing this type of activity. It's almost like he would be a uh, a career assailant, you know, a serial assailant in the massage room if he was anybody else other than Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you know, it really is typical, isn't it, Son, of, of our society today that struggles to define any boundaries when it comes to sexuality and now when it comes to gender. And I think some of these sports teams at times, uh, they, they struggle to, to know exactly what position they're going to take because we live in such a promiscuous society. And Obviously, when there's been a violation of the law, you know, that makes it um, a little bit easier for teams to, um, you know, have penalties and so forth. But we truly live in a day when, um, you know, right is wrong and wrong is right. And, and uh, you know, the gender definitions, the, the definitions of sexuality, um, everything has been turned upside down. And... You know, God's word remains the same when it comes to God's plan for a man and a woman uh, to have sexual relations in marriage and not outside of that. But our society is immersed in the entertainment industry, 
um, in the media many times, um, just in in many aspects of life, even in the education establishment now, uh, you know, pushing all manner of uh, sexual experiences uh, and and now, uh, you know, all manner of gender expression. So without boundaries, human beings, whether it be a Deshaun Watson or some other athlete or movie star, or whether it be just your average American, um, without boundaries, a, a, a person is going to tend to gravitate in the direction of sin um, and is going to get caught up in this current of sin that is, is flowing continually. And, and sin, uh, when it comes to sexuality, is, is promoted. Uh, it's promoted in the society. Um, it's celebrated many times in the society, but it leaves a lot of victims in its wake. Um, and it offers, you know, it makes very bold claims about what it can give a person who just lives outside of God's boundaries for sex. And then when you see like this example with Deshaun Watson, you know, there are people who say, well, look, you know, um, Okay, so he apparently stepped outside of the lines perhaps many times, if these allegations are, are, are accurate. And many, many would say that they are. Um, and he's just going to get a slap on the wrist. Uh, you know, and, and many people then, I think, look at something like that, and they might wrongly assume that, well, hey, you know, God's the same way. Um, you know, God understands if I color outside the lines a little bit, if I um, go outside of his boundaries, and yet the Bible warns uh, against uh, sexual sin. It says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. And, you know, now with this uh, monkeypox issue that um, is is becoming a, a bigger and bigger deal, apparently largely um, connected uh to uh, the issue of homosexual behavior between men. Um, I haven't read enough about it to know if it's really spread much beyond that, but it, it seems like that at least has been, um, you know, the major association with that. But you have all the other sexually transmitted diseases. Um, you, you, you just have all sorts of brokenness in families as a, as a result of sexual sin and pornography and sexual lust. But again, where there are no boundaries, um, man is going to gravitate in the direction of his sinful nature. And, um, he's going to, um, he's going to end up doing things that are going to bring, harm to his body, to the bodies of others, and certainly to his spiritual life. And I know that there are some people, son, in our society, they, you know, they, they think it's crazy. I'm talking to unbelievers now who think it's crazy that God would, would be concerned about a person's sex life. But you know what, what, what they fail to see is that these bodies that God has created are intended to be a temple for God. And they really only become that when the Holy Spirit comes to live within a person when they're converted. But but that's what God intends for us. And and just because it seems right to a man or a woman to engage in sex outside of marriage between a man and a woman, 
Um, just because it seems right to 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 our fallen nature to do that, that is an indictment against us. That's not, um, you know, a strike against God. God is perfect. God made sex. You know, God created it. He's the one who invented it. He designed it for marriage. And the only reason, son, that human beings, that, that we as fallen men and women have a sinful nature that gravitates for, for something else is, is because of that sin that's within us. So, you know, the Deshaun Watson story is, is you know, a current one. And these stories are popping up constantly in the news. And, and it makes me wonder how many of those in the media and the education establishment and in Hollywood. I mean, do you realize that when you're pushing your version of, of you know, sexual activity upon society, um, do, do you think that there aren't going to be a lot of people that are going to get caught up in that current and be swept away into um, in, into things that are outside of God's plan. Now, we're not saying it's an unforgivable sin, obviously. Um, heavens no. Uh, many have been forgiven of, of, of sexual sin. But the Bible does say that all other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. So God takes it very seriously. Um, you know, there's a verse in the Bible that says, um, you know, in the New Testament, in Corinthians, you know, we should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 of them died in the desert. So, I mean, God was judging his people in the Old Testament for their sexual immorality. Um, you know, God is just as displeased with that sin today. And even though natural man doesn't understand that, son, even though natural man says, what's the big deal? It's just sex. Well, the big deal is what God says the big deal is about. You know, uh, the, the marriage relationship in the Bible is compared to Christ and the church. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So just because we, at times, as human beings, might want to just minimize marriage and make it about sex with whoever, rather than God's design of sex within marriage between a man and a woman, just because we do that, that's an indictment on us, son. That's not an indictment on God. And it just shows how far we as human beings have fallen from God's plan. Now, again, he loves us. He will forgive us. This is an area that is very, very powerful in a person's life. And I would just say that Deshaun Watson's story is probably just a reminder of the Bible verse, you know, a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. If indeed these allegations are true with 66 women, um, then that would be one more example in the pop culture of, of, of how when you jump into a dark river with dark currents that are this strong, you're going to be swept away. You're going to lose control. You're going to do things that later on, um, you know, you might look back and say, you know, how in the world uh, did I become that controlled by that thing? I've got his um, comments today, Deshaun Watson, making comments about uh, the suspension fine, I guess you can say. And so let's play this, and I've got something that I want to tie into it as well. But here's uh, Deshaun Watson a little bit earlier today. 
Uh, well, I've, I, I apologize beforehand. I think the second time I spoke to you guys, I actually apologized. But I think for some people, it didn't uh, maybe register as I, as I was apologizing. But, you know, I just wanted to clarify, you know, I was apologizing to all women and people that was affected about this situation because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a tough situation. I've always uh, stood on my innocence and always said that I've never assaulted anyone or disrespected anyone, and I'm continuing to stand on that. But at the same time, I have to continue to push forward with my life and my career. And for us to be able to move forward, you know, I have to be able to take steps and put pride to the side. And uh, I'm going to continue to stand on my innocence and, and, and keep pushing forward. And I've always, you know, stood on not disrespecting or sexual assaulting anyone. So he continues, Dan, to talk about his innocence. And even though he apologizes, he talks about his innocence. You mentioned uh, monkeypox earlier. There was a guy that I was reading an article about that is a gay man. And he got monkeypox and apparently got a very severe case of monkeypox. Now, monkeypox was running around prior to Pride Month. June is considered Pride Month in the LGBT community where they celebrate their gayness. And um, he despite warnings, was going to engage full-on in every sexual capacity that he can in Pride Month, he said. And after contracting monkeypox, apparently it was really bad, and the article goes into a little too much description of what happened, but it was pretty severe. He did not take personal responsibility, but instead blamed the government for not providing either um, a vaccine for monkeypox or other means to help him not get monkeypox. So he did not take personal responsibility and... If you just did not engage, you would not have gotten this severe disease in his case. And that's like Deshaun Watson and some people. It's almost like they no one takes responsibility for their actions anymore. It's like they just apologize because they know they're going to get off. They've got uh, a fine, but they've got plenty of money to pay for it, and they might even have insurance to pay it off. And so they do their time, and then they go back to life normal, whereas the people that are um, have been assaulted, their lives change forever. Yeah, you know, the consequences linger, don't they, Son? I think about King David in the Old Testament, who, you know, when he, you know, looked out across from his palace and he saw a beautiful Bathsheba bathing there, uh, you know, um, he had to make a decision. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're not told how many times he may have seen her there, um, but... You know, regardless of that, there was a point at which uh, David would have needed to decide, um, do I want to keep looking upon this beautiful woman? Um, And deep down, David had to know that, you know, man's tendency with his sin is toward lusting after, uh, you know, another woman. Um, This was not his wife. It was another man's wife. But but David bit of the apple, so to speak. He ate of the forbidden fruit um, with his eyes, with his eyes. And, 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 you know, many today, son, find themselves enslaved to pornography, which is just such a scourge upon society, such a scourge upon marriages and families and young men and young women and people of, you know, many ages. But... Um, you know, with our eyes, with our eyes, we can become enslaved. And, you know, I think about something Job said, uh, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a woman. Uh, because Job understood what 
David had forgotten, and that is, um, you know, it might seem like a harmless act, just like for some today, you know, viewing pornography might seem like a harmless act, but it will quickly become um, addictive. It will quickly push a person to want to go back to it again, um, maybe a few minutes later, an hour later, or even a day later. But it's very addictive. That's that's the nature of all sin. But there's something, Son, when we're dealing in this realm, uh, when we're dealing in the realm of sexual lust, we see it in the Bible, we see it in human nature, we see it in society. And you look at all the people uh, who have destroyed their lives as a result of it. You know, all the people who are sitting in jail or who, who have died from a sexually transmitted disease, who destroyed themselves through it. This is an overwhelming, an overwhelming issue for men and women and for young people, but especially if if the choice is made like David did to give your eyes over to it, because, because the, the, the eyes, as the eyes are given over to it, the mind then immediately uh, becomes involved with it. Kind of like, you know, you remember Eve in the garden of Eden, you know, when she was tempted by, by Satan who came as a serpent and it was her eyes that saw the fruit and, and it looks so appealing to her the forbidden fruit, but nevertheless, it was appealing. And, and Lucifer then tempted her mind by suggesting something that God didn't really intend or didn't say, or he twisted God's words. And so he got her to engage her eyes and engage her mind. And then the last thing to be engaged on was then the physical engagement to eat of the forbidden fruit. And both she and her husband, Adam, sinned in this way. But but it was the defilement of the eyes, of the mind, and then of the body. And the same thing happens many times today um, where the eyes are the first to be defiled. Uh, a person maybe becomes addicted to pornography. And, and, and I'll tell you, um, well, what people find by testimony after testimony of those who've um, either never gotten out of it or, or have is, is, is son, the testimony is that it's all consuming in a person's mind once there's an addiction. And, and unless that thing is, is rooted out of there through repentance and faith in Jesus and, and the blood of Jesus setting that person free from that, unless that's rooted out, the uh, the eyes will be defiled, the mind will be defiled, and then um, the final step is is to engage with the body, um, just as Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. Many times, sexual sin progresses from a defilement of the eyes, a defilement of the mind, and then ultimately, as King David did, um, he, he he couldn't seem to resist the urge then to go all the way. I mean, he'd already gone all the way with his eyes. And, and and Jesus said in the New Testament, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Um, so David had already committed that sin. Um, and that, But then he started to plot. He started to scheme. He started to think about, oh, man, you know, how could I get her over here? And, and, and that led to uh, him having... Um, you know, some of his uh, some of his servants go and, and get her and bring her to him. But um, it all went from the eyes to the mind to the body. The same thing is happening today. And we live in a society where so many aspects of our culture, 
as I mentioned, you know, the media, the entertainment industry, you know, many in the sports world and, and, and many places, even, you know, educators, they do everything they can to try to get rid of the, the boundary lines to say that you get to define your own morality and specifically your own sexual ethics. You get to define that. And we've seen what that's produced son. as I mentioned in our Bible study last night, we were talking about um, something related to this. And I mentioned how in the sixties, you know, with the sexual revolution, you know, America was given over to, um, you know, promiscuity and lust. And then when that wasn't enough, you know, we, you know, America went from that, that not being a, a you know, something promoted in, in, um, in the culture to something, to something being promoted. And, and when that wasn't enough, then, you know, there had to be something else to satisfy this, this lust. And then it moved into the realm of, of, um, homosexuality being promoted. It wasn't enough just to promote sex outside of marriage. Um, because you have to always have more, you always have, you know, there always has to, has to be something else. That's the nature of sin. It's progressive. That's what Satan does. So, you know, it's like, take one more bite of the apple. And, and and then those people who, who were still saying, hey, the sexual revolution was against God's will. Imagine what what Christians were saying then when when this next step was taken. It's like, wait a minute, time out. Um, you know, it, it's it's just going further and further. Um but 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 son, those who pushed for both of those things have no problem with what's happening today with the abuse of children, telling children that their gender can be changed and that they can have these hormones and, and maybe have these life, um, you know, altering drugs to, um, and then life altering surgery, uh, to change your body. Um, but, but why, why did we get to this point? Because sin is progressive, you know, transgenderism did not pop onto the national scene in the sixties. But the first step did. And when the first domino fell, the next domino to fall was homosexuality going mainstream. And it got pushed by late night TV and pushed by Hollywood. And, and because that's just the nature of it. Um, when you're in the flesh and not in the spirit, you have to have more of the same. You know, it's, it's like a Christian. When, when you're saved um, by grace through faith in Jesus, you want more of the same. You want more of the Holy Spirit. Now, sin, it doesn't taste right in your soul. It doesn't feel right. You don't feel good about it. Um, those people who can feel good living in the flesh are not yet saved. Because when you're saved, you can't feel good. I mean, even David, I mean, whatever physical pleasure he was having with Bathsheba, and I'm sure there was obviously some, maybe momentarily or, or for a little while, but, but, but he said inwardly, you know, he said his bones were wasting away. Um, he was miserable, and that's the way it's going to be for a child of God. Um, there will be no peace in deliberate sin. There'll be no peace in sexual sin. There'll be no peace in pornography or, or um, uh, you know, fornication or homosexuality. Um, there'll be no peace in pushing transgenderism on children uh, or even just pushing it on anyone for that matter because it's not God's design. This isn't coming from God. It's coming from the spirit of the world. You know, it's coming from from the enemy, from Satan, um, who's already gotten so many people to, to take the first bite of the apple and the second bite of the apple and now the third bite of the apple. And, you know, many of us are saying, wait a minute, you know, what's next? 
I mean, we, we hear some people saying, well, the next thing to go is, is sex between adults and children, you know, kind of the, I, well, there was a, a group called what the man boy love association or something, you know, I don't know that our culture has gone so far down toward hell that that, that, that is quite ready to be pushed and accepted. Um, but, but if there were enough people and there are plenty, I'm sure who would sign, but if there were enough people, um, to, to take that next bite of the apple, um, that may very well be what comes next. Uh, although I, 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 I'm hopeful that there'll be so many people that will still see why that is so evil and why it's against the law and, and, and must remain that way. But, but it just shows how far, you know, how far a person can go in sin and try to justify it and make excuses for it. And we're all guilty. So, I mean, all of this talk that we're having, Son, um, you know, none of us can, can talk about sin as though somehow we've, we, we, we've arrived on some high moral ground and we're not guilty. So, you know, we're all guilty. But, but the minute we, we stop talking about God's word and about sin, then, um, you know, all boundaries get removed and man just does whatever he feels like doing. And isn't that pretty much the message of the culture today? Um, you create your own reality. You define your own ethics. And just like that example sign you gave there with the man and the monkey pox, it sounds like even in the midst of that horrible, horrible um, issue that, that, that he was facing, and I'm guessing still is, to throw caution to the wind, and and continue to pursue um, that depravity, just as some people today with STDs, you know, they're engaged in heterosexual depravity, but they continue to pursue it. You know, I mean, so that's the problem of of our of our sins, son. That's the way. That's what sin does to us as human beings, and I say us because it affects all of us. We all have sin. One person may have a uh, sexual sin. Another person may have a sin with being judgmental. Another person may have a sin with, um, you know, gossip. Um, so, so just because we're on this topic today, I mean, if a person's wondering, uh, well, what about other sins? I'd say go back and listen to the, the previous, you know, uh, two, 300 podcasts and you'll hear, um, here on sanctified reason and, and, and going back, you know, years, you'll hear every sin almost uh, addressed, but today this is the topic. And, um, yeah, it sure is a, always a big one in our society today, isn't it, son? Dan Dateline, September 13th, 2020, the headline. Governor of California, Gavin Newsom, signs bill reducing penalties for sodomy with minors. So we're getting there. Everything that you're talking about, we're getting there. We're getting to the point where there's no limitations. Scott Wiener, a a state uh, Democrat out of uh, San Francisco, one of the most dangerous people, I think, in the world, huge LGBT. He's introduced that bill or introduced that bill. He's introduced bills in the past that call for the reduction of if you knowingly give somebody HIV, you now are no longer charged with a felony, but a misdemeanor. And we know in California, misdemeanors mean nothing. Um, and so, again, we're getting to that point in this world where people like Scott Weiner, who has obviously just gone over the far end, um, and you've got these laws that are being passed, and you've got things that are out there that people are you know, flocking to. And it's like I don't think um, – and, and those safeguards that we used to once ha- have up – 
are no longer there anymore. I mean, you've got social media with a big influence, and in the last couple of years, you have a huge influx of people identifying as LGBT or whatever they want to call themselves, and it's a direct influence from social media. These people have no idea what they're talking about, uh, these kids that are saying they're this or that, and the assault on um, you know kids that want to or people, parents that want their kids to be transgendered and give them puberty blockers and have surgery and stuff like that. They have no idea what the damage that they're doing. So I think that in this country... You know, we are at a crossroads of faith and pop culture and society where you're sitting there and you're looking at these people pushing an agenda, pushing ideology that is absolutely destroying people. I've read um, articles and I've listened to interviews for people that were transitioning, you know, transgendered, and they were being celebrated as heroes. And then they decided that, oops, I made a mistake and I no longer want to do this, whether they found faith or whether they realized this was just a horrible thing. Then they started to detransition, and now all of a sudden they're victimized and they're vilified and they're evil. So originally they were one heroes, and now they're villains just based on an ideology that affects them. And it's like, where are we at in this world? Where are we at in this place? We're getting to the point where these are headlines making the news today. Yeah, you know, son, I, I received a, a text today from someone in our church with a link to an article. It was saying here in just the last number of years, um, two million people have decided against sending their children to public schools. And, you know, you can't blame anyone who pulls their kids out of public schools today, not because there, you know, there aren't still a lot of good teachers, because obviously there are, and there are a lot of Christians, you know, that, that remain in the public school system. So, I mean, there are many examples of, 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 of the light of Christ shining in that, uh, in that arena, you know, through God's children. But all it takes is one, two, three teachers who have an agenda to try to convince little Johnny or little Sally that your gender is fluid and your sexuality is your decision, and on and on it goes. And it's like, you know, many parents are wising up and saying, you know, I'm not going to risk putting my child into an environment where such a godless philosophy is being taught to them for hours every day, let alone, I mean, just even five minutes a day. And again, that's not to disparage every teacher. There are some obviously wonderful, wonderful teachers. We thank God for each one of them. But, but the point is, because the education establishment in America is not grounded in the word of God, what we're seeing happen is what Martin Luther predicted 500 years ago in a very famous quote from Luther, where he essentially said, Son, that any educational um, undertaking, uh, and he was really talking primarily about like, you know, the education of children, any educational undertaking that is not grounded in the word of God will ultimately prove to serve the gates of hell. Now, many, when they see that, might think, well, that's a, an overly strong statement. But stop and think about it, okay? Think about what's happening in America, okay? Um, you know, uh, Christians have not, that I'm aware of, uh, you know, gone on a... a a mission to try to have public schools start, you know, preaching the gospel to children because, you know, Christian parents realize that, um, that, you know, that's, that's the mission of Christians in churches. But, but by the same token, 
Um, Christian parents um, are waking up to the fact that you have another type of, of missionary in um, some public schools today, and it's a gender missionary, and it's a lesbian missionary, a gay missionary, a, a radical missionary who sees it as their mission to try to indoctrinate little Johnny and little Sally in their warped understanding of sexuality and gender issues and other things. So, so parents look at that, and 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 then you go back to Luther's quote. And Luther was exactly right, because here's the thing, son, um, what the educational establishment has not been able to stop because they don't have biblical boundaries within their um, within their mission. OK, so what that tends to do then is um, those who want to push an ungodly agenda. You know, they look at it kind of the way like China looks today at, I think, taking over the world. They look at the, they don't just look at, you know, what about the next few years, but what about the next century? Where do we want to be in the next century? How can we, um, uh, I mean, that's the current government in China. I mean, you know, I mean, could that change? I mean, sure. But um, the current government in China, you know, seems to be intent on world domination from, from so many things that we read, but, but they look at the long, the long view of it. And, um, I think that these teachers, uh, whichever ones have an ungodly agenda for the school and they push that and, um, a little bit gets in there, a little bit gets in there and, and no wonder son, um, the education establishment in America is so up in arms that, that parents would have the nerve to show up at school board meetings and, and actually read some of the books that, that, that uh, you know, some filth is being, you know, uh, snuck into these books to try to get into the minds of kids. I mean, how dare these parents, um, you know, get in the way of our religious, oops, I mean, our educational um, teaching. How dare these parents um, speak out against our uh, propaganda? I mean, our, our, our teaching of the kids, you know, and, and so, you know, son, I can completely understand why so many Christian families, but other families as well have said, you know what? I don't need that. My kids certainly don't need that. We don't want that. We're not interested in that. And if that's what you're going to do, then fine. We'll, we'll find another option. We'll find a Christian school. We'll homeschool. Uh, I mean, there are other options where where the ungodly uh, philosophies concerning gender and sexuality and other things, where those are not uh, being taught to children. So, and again, I want to stress, you know, for any schools that, that are able to keep that out, good for them. But, but the problem is, son, like Luther said, um, you know, if you're not standing on the word of God, because the same thing happens in school, son, as happens in America. And that's the bullies, the bullies who push an ungodly um, agenda, you know, tend to make more inroads than those who try to, um, you know, promote uh, good morals, a good message. Um, you know, you know, it's just like sometimes in politics, the people who are the dirtiest 
Um, the people who have the most ungodly policies, uh, the, the people who, you know, push the hardest and even revolt, um, uh, at least in, in recent years. Um, and when I say revolt, what I'm really saying is those who, um, those who make the most noise is really what I'm saying. Those, those people in politics tend to intimidate many good people. And they push the needle more in the direction of immorality and anarchy. And, and so it's just the nature of the beast. And we seem to be at a time now, son, in America, when many, 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 many Christian families are saying, okay, what are, what are my other options? Homeschool, Christian school, because I just can't risk sending my little one to a public school when I know what their authorities, if not the local level, certainly the national level, when I know what their authorities intend on doing to as many young children as possible. You know, it's right. Why I wrote the article in 2019 son entitled will America's public grade schools become transgender mills. Will America's public grade schools become transgender mills? Many people were seeing, you know, not just three years ago, but even before that, this is coming. This train is coming down the tracks. And sure enough, son, it's here. And, and, and little children on the tracks are getting run over. And I heard recently of a situation of a school, believe it or not, even here in the Midwest, even in this area, somebody said, you wouldn't believe. It's like all the kids, I forget if it was third grade or fourth grade, and I mean, I, I hope they were exaggerating, but they said all the kids identify as either gay, lesbian, or transgender because they think that's so cool. They think that's so, you know, I tell you, son, that's scary. That's scary. Um, and, and, and when you, you know, when you take drugs, you get hooked. When you dabble in homosexuality, you can get hooked. When you dabble with pornography, you can get hooked. Um, when you dabble, when you dabble with, uh, uh, you know, um, adultery like King David, you get hooked. And until the hammer drops, as it did with David, and then you have consequences, okay, now he was forgiven. Thankfully, he, he confessed his sin to God. But there were consequences for the rest of his life. Um, now, he's in heaven today. I have no doubt about that. I mean, because David repented. But um, whether it be monkeypox, whether it be other sexually transmitted diseases, um, whether it be broken marriages, whether it be devastated young people, hey, son, whether it be, um, you know, uh, impotence in men, uh, impotence, be, be, because, uh, or women, be, be, because they thought that pornography was going to aid their sex life, when instead it's not only ruined their sex life with their spouse, but it's fueled um, an unholy fire within them that has not delivered what it promised, what that, that, that image said it was going to give you if you would stare at it and stare at it and obsess over it and get addicted to it. So, um, you know, the, the ungodliness of sin cannot back up what it promises. And meanwhile, God's offering his love, his forgiveness. Oh, and by the way, here's my plan. Here are my boundaries. Marriage between a man and a woman. And if you don't go with my plan, you'll live to regret it. And yet many people, I, I think, say, well, you know, I'll, I'll take my chances. Well, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work out very well. Yeah, you talk about the uh, schools. A Yale professor today was, uh, there's a new news item, a Yale professor blasted for the program that she works in, where they work with three-year-olds on their gender journey. 
The, the quote goes, we help individuals who are questioning their gender ideology or identify as transgender or non-binary, and we help them with their gender journey. And that's what you're starting to see, and it's like a three-year-old, really? Are you kidding me? But what they're trying to do is indoctrinate. Because if you um, – I mean, could you imagine if someone brought the Bible in and started reading the Bible at story time, how much holy hell that would raise? And so you're starting yeah. to see this double standard um, you know, with ideology in there, and it's becoming crazy. You've got parents checking out books or taking books from the school library, reading them, at school board meetings and having their mic cut off because it's so pornographic. And it's like, then the school board gets upset the parent that they're exposing them. And it's like, this is a crazy world that we live in. It's a hypersexualized world that we live in. And when you're talking about this hypersexualized world that we live in, you know, people might sit there and Christians might sit there and be like, how can we navigate? How can we navigate this world? You know, everywhere we look, it's, whether it's commercial on TV, the Bible talks about be in the world, but not of it. So how do you be a part of in the world, but not of it? And in order to survive, I think Billy Graham offers some insight into how we can go about surviving, you know, um, living in a hyper-sexualized and this, you know, uh, enhanced sexualized world that we live in. Well, you say, how do you commit immorality? Well, the Bible says you can commit it by evil imaginations. How many young people just sit and daydream in the wrong way? Daydreams are wonderful if they're clean and pure. You can commit immorality, the Bible says, by a look. Well, how can a young person today in this sex-filled atmosphere in which we live have victory over this sin? I don't believe there's any way that a modern young person today can keep pure outside of Jesus Christ. I think some do by sheer willpower, but very few. But with Christ, you have supernatural forces at your disposal to help you to overcome the temptation. Paul wrote to young Timothy and said, keep thyself pure. You say, but Billy, I'm afraid that I'm guilty. I might not have done the act, but I know I've had it in my heart, and I know that I'm guilty. Every one of us is guilty. That's the reason he died, so that you could find forgiveness of the past sins, and there is no forgiveness apart from Christ. I think he sums it up pretty well that the only hope that we have is in Christ, and repentance of sin and relying on Christ who died on the cross, shed his blood, rose from the grave to defeat sin. And that's our only hope. That's our only chance of surviving this world is Jesus Christ. Well, that's, that's exactly right, Sign. You know, you mentioned um, Yale and this, this uh, agenda to indoctrinate uh, and, and brainwash three-year-olds and, and, and to, um, you know, present a message that will damage them. Um, you know, when you go back and think about when Yale was founded, in fact, let me just read something here, Son. Yale University had its beginnings with the founding of the New Haven Colony in 1638 by a band of 500 Puritans who fled from the persecution in Anglican England. And um, another thing that this article mentions is that uh, then around 1700, um, it talks about ministers uh, presenting a donation of books uh, to Yale. I give these books for the founding of a college in this colony. I mean, everything was about um, Christian education. Everything was about the Bible. Um, you know, you mentioned like, son, you know, like if they brought the Bible today, I mean, they'd, they'd be laughed out of the room, but, but that's how far things have gone from their founding. You know, the other Ivy League schools are the same way. You know, their, their, their main book, you know, was the Bible. Um, and their main task was to train missionaries to spread the gospel. So remember now, Luther, 
500 years ago, what he said about, um, if you try to educate without the Bible, it's going to ultimately, you know, just lead to the gates of hell. Um, and, and so, you know, by 1638, you know, things were looking pretty good for, for the Ivy League schools and getting started there and Yale and, and Harvard and Princeton and whatnot. Um, but, but how far how far things have come. You know, I, I, I wrote an article, I don't know if it's been 10 years ago now, but I, I remember um, writing about Yale's sex week that they have every year because um, every time when that rolls around, it seems to hit the news because of just some of the, just the unbelievable, you know, little seminars that they'll offer, you know, either from prostitutes or transgenders or, or, you know, all manner of sexual immorality that's being, you know, taught as part of this sex week. You know, we want to, we, you know, just like we want to teach little boys that they might be little girls. We want to teach college kids that whatever form of sexual ex- experimentation you want to go for, you should be free to do it. But that's, that's what happens, Song. When we don't have um, a guiding light, when we don't have scripture, Martin Luther predicted it. He said this would happen. Um, It is happening. And um, for those young people who are being swept away by these dark currents and and are caught up in it, they they think it's they, they, they think it's tolerant. They, they, they think it, it's, it's what we should be. You know, they, they think the Puritans, you know, 400 years ago in 1638, you know, they were just narrow-minded fundamentalists, you know, to believe that God made sex for marriage. Um, can you imagine, son? I mean, I mean, we can. And of course, we weren't there. But 400 years ago, if somebody had, had, had walked into the... The colony there and said, hey, you know, I think we should start teaching our children that they're the opposite gender. And I think we should start teaching our children that sex uh, before marriage is fine. I think we start start teaching our children and our teenagers that sex between two boys and two girls is fine. I mean, you know, son, we we, we can't even imagine that happening in America, um, you know, 60 years ago, um, 50 years ago. Um, but, but this is how far, this is how far things have gone. In fact, son, what was really crazy is it was only maybe less than 20 years ago. I'd have to look up the exact year, but I can remember when, um, both Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, because it was politically, um, in their favor to do so, they, 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 they spoke in favor of traditional marriage. I mean, if you can believe that, I mean, it's like, wait a minute. Um, they've been pushing as hard as, as, as some other politicians to promote um, the gay lifestyle. But no, when it was um, politically to their favor, um, they didn't believe it, but they were saying it because I thought it would give them more votes. But as soon as the media and the entertainment industry and, and the educational establishment had, they, they turned enough people they they turned enough people to the view that you're discriminating against um, gay people by not endorsing their behavior. Um, as soon as they had enough people, then they, they they brought out what they really believed. And by the time Obama was in the White House, I even wrote an article about this when he when he had the rainbow colors, you know, up on up on the White House. Okay, um, celebrating celebrating gay sex um, in a similar way, son. Uh, somebody mentioned this last night at the Bible study. You've even got some churches 
that are doing that today. That's exactly right. And what hit the news this week, I mean, it's never ending, Son. This week, the largest Lutheran church body, the ELCA, took the next step in their evolution of of promoting homosexuality. Um, You know, back when they when they voted, you know, at a, at a convention that we're going to change our policy. We're going to say homosexuality is no longer sinful. At least if it's between, you know, two, two people, you know, in a monogamous relationship. So they sought to change the Bible and, and make it not a sin in, in their eyes. Um, and, and so of course, many, many churches that were part of that group left and, and those that, um, you know, don't know better stayed, but, um, they did have a policy even back then and up until now, son, where they, they, they said, well, but, it, but if these churches that um, want to stay in the ELCA, if, if you would have to go against your conscience to teach this, this new teaching that homosexuality is no longer sinful, then, then we don't want you to feel like you have to go against your conscience and we want you to stay and we'll just agree to disagree on that issue. Okay. So, but it was, a, they knew where they were heading and where they were heading son. Now what's come out this week is that, um, the key leaders of the ELCA say, you know, we don't, we don't want to have that, that conscience thing in there anymore. That's not fair to gay people. You know, in fact, I, I read one guy who was quoted as saying, you know, I grew up in a church that taught that homosexuality is sinful. And he said that he basically just essentially said that's just so, you know, unfair to gay people. So so now what they want to do, son, is they don't want to allow the churches in their denomination to to um, to do what Luther did, which is to stick to his conscious conscience, to stick to his um his firm conviction about scripture, um, it's like, no, no, um, you're going to accept that homosexuality is no longer a sin. And if you can't, then, um, you know, we, we, we really don't want you to be part of us. But son, it was always going to get there. I mean, I mean, who, who, who are we kidding? I mean, once a group opens the door to sin and says, this is no longer sinful, but if you want to still believe it's sinful, hey, please stay. Um, you know, everything will be fine. No, because what will happen, son, is the same thing that's happened in America, okay, with the dominoes. The dominoes fall when you're in the flesh and not in the spirit. And the ELCA is a denomination decided to go into the flesh as a denom- I'm not saying every you know person in that church body every person in the ELCA church obviously you have a lot of Christians and in there who who don't uh, promote homosexuality or believe that it's uh, no longer sinful but having said that the denomination as an organization um, they they were turned away from uh, and really even before that just with their views of scripture um, and and their low view of scripture uh, but but now things have really really um, gotten even more extreme in that sense, Son, but it was always, um, it was always going to head in that direction because um, the flesh and the spirit are in conflict with one another. And when you deceive yourself into believing that um, fornication is no longer sinful or adultery is no longer sinful or homosexual behavior is no longer sinful. Any one of those, let's say, sign, or all three of them, any one of those or all three, if you deceive yourself into believing something that is so clearly taught in Scripture, you are on a very, very dangerous path. And and I did share last night, son, uh, the Bible study, when the ELCA had their decision a number of years ago, you know, whatever that was, 15 years ago, uh, 12 years ago, uh, whatever it was, um, 
when they made their decision there in the Twin Cities, you know, they're talking about this as though somehow God's word can be altered. But, you know, their their understanding of it was was evolving. So they're getting ready to vote on this in the Twin Cities, son. And God sent a tornado, believe it or not, into downtown Minneapolis. Not just downtown Minneapolis, but there was a church across the street from the convention center where they were meeting with a steeple on top of the church. And sure enough, the tornado took out the steeple of the church prior to their vote. Now, anyone with any sense of, of, you know, Lord, speak to me, okay, any sense of that would have said, okay, we've been seeking discernment on this. Um, God's giving us a sign here that we are about to make a terrible, terrible sin here. You think that stopped them? No, they charged right ahead. So, son, um, when you're that self-deceived on something in the realm of sexuality, or just any sin, but, you know, especially in this realm, when you're that self-deceived, um, it's only going to get worse you're not going to be comfortable with with people and congregations in your in your denomination that that that, that don't toe the line, the progressive line that, that says it's no longer a sin when that's not what God's saying. God is saying what he's always said. God loves the sinner. He hates the sin. But God doesn't say it's no longer sinful. God says fornication is still sinful. Adultery is still sinful. Homosexuality, homosexual behavior is still sinful. Now, if you struggle with temptation, um, that doesn't mean you're sinning just because you're tempted. But what, what, that, what that church body said, son, is, um, no, go ahead. Have a, have, a, have a relationship. You know, um, you can get married to somebody of the same sex. Kind of like what our society has done, you know. Uh, now, that's not to judge anyone. Uh, that's not to condemn anyone. God's word does the condemning of, of our sin. God is the ultimate judge. But that's where it's at, son. It's not only a Yale. You know, it's in the largest church body um, in the nation. So, um, my goodness, it, it is pervasive in our society. And... We have to speak the truth in love. But but if we don't speak the truth, son, then people are going to be deceived and, and they're going to buy these lies that that so many are speaking on these issues. And so, um, you know, things are things are evolving, aren't they? And many times not in a good way. Yeah. Unfortunately, Dan, you know, people will try to take their worldly view and make the Bible fit their worldly view. And if the Bible doesn't match their worldly view, they change it. And so instead of taking their biblical principles and adjusting the world to fit the biblical principles, it's the opposite way around, and we get a society that we're having today. Uh, Dan, again, we appreciate your time when we talk about these things. I know sometimes that uh, you know people might sit and listen and be like, why do we talk about these things? But it's important because... Even in the church, I think they're, like you just mentioned, you know, there's a big failure to let people know the truth, the message that's out there, what the Bible is actually about, and that the Bible today is more relevant than probably ever because there's so much truth in there that we just kind of kick to the curb and try to live our lives accordingly, especially, you know, when you're talking about society that's influenced by celebrities and musicians and actors and especially social media, you know, and these are the things that drive the norms of society uh, today and so um, that's why I do sanctified reason to discuss these things. What the crossroads of faith and pop culture? I like to talk about the stories and social issues that affect society today. And so, Dan, we really appreciate your time and uh, and thank you for that. 
Well, absolutely, Son. Hey, do we have just a moment? I had one sure. other thought on this topic. Okay, I appreciate that, Son. Um, when you mentioned that about the churches, here's the other thing we want to just um, make sure that the listeners um, understand, Son, and that is this. When you have a church that is calling themselves a Christian, okay, um, and, they, and they say that homosexuality is no longer a sin, um, if you want to check to see how else their doctrine has been corroded and corrupted, okay? Notice what they say about salvation as well, because these things always seem to go hand in hand. Um, Jesus made it very clear. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, you know, in Acts, uh, Peter and John said salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. It's very clear in the Bible, Jesus is the only way. But when you have a church body, son, says we're still Christian, however, homosexuality is no longer sinful, and by the way, Jesus is not the only way to heaven. Son, I would challenge any listener, um, if you find a church body that has said homosexuality is no longer a sin, ask them what they believe about salvation. You know what you're going to hear? They're going to say, well, that's a lot broader than we've been taught to think of it. Um, even though Jesus said there's a narrow road uh, you know, that leads to heaven, we really think the road's broader than that. We think there are a lot of moral people in other religions. Oh, they may not believe in Jesus. They may not have their sins washed away by the blood of Jesus. Um, but we think God is loving enough and he has room for them. So all I'm saying is this, son, it's not only that one issue that, that churches that cave on that, that's not the only thing they cave on. They cave on the authority of scripture. They cave on, on salvation and, and, and God's only way of being saved. I mean, I get it. These are not popular with sinful man. They're not popular in a culture that, that wants to preach its own religion of self-esteem rather than the true gospel. I get that. But, but these, these um, church bodies, son, that, that go this route, um, they, they, they have moved into apostasy. They're, they're, not, they're not being faithful to God's word. And, and, and so, like I say, it's not just the sexual teaching that they that they get completely wrong uh, on that but it is the gospel and the message of salvation and and ultimately in those churches um jesus's death is fine okay yeah we'll still talk about that on good friday and so forth but um you know if you're a good moral person we think god has room for you and and some yes god has room but that's not the gospel and that's not how a person is saved and, and that's not christianity so it's a much bigger issue than just the huge issue of of saying homosexuality is no longer sinful. That's huge, but there's something even larger that that's just a part of and a symptom of, and it's it's very very scary to think about anyone saying, "Oh, I'm a Christian," but by the way, this is our new uh, this is our new doctrine. It's progressive. It fits with the culture, and they love it, and we think you'll love it too. So there you go. Yeah, and anytime the ba- uh, the Bible doesn't back it, then perhaps the uh, devil is whispering in your ear and something you have to be careful for. Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate your time, and like always, we look forward to our next conversation. Well, I sure do as well, Son. Th- thanks so much, and uh, we'll do it again soon. 
And for those of you listening, you can find out more. You can go to our website, RadioWarp.com. That's Radio W-A-R-P, RadioWarp.com. Click on the Sanctified Reason logo. All our shows uh, pop up, and you can go back and listen to uh, any number of shows because we've discussed a lot of different topics. And and um, if you like that, you can uh, tell a friend, and we'd appreciate that. And so until next time, thanks for listening. Do tell a friend, and until next time, God bless.